0: Dadhood. Dadhood Modern Dadhood
1: Podcast. <laughs> good, sound good? Mm-hmm. Look look good, feel good? Yeah.
2: This is Modern Dadhood. It's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment.
1: I would like to introduce myself
2: if I may. You may, and you're encouraged to.
1: Okay, my name is Mark Checkett, and I am a dad of twin boy toddlers. What about you?
2: Oh, I'm Adam Flaherty. I'm a father of two daughters, six years old and three years old.
1: Let me ask you, what's new in your life?
2: Yeah, life is, uh, I mean, life with two kids, especially six and three that this age is, is totally crazy. From the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep, it's, it's insanity.
1: I recently had the pleasure of, of, of seeing your girls for the first time in a long time um, the other day at your home.
2: That's right. We were going to head up uh, to Portland to do our interview with the guest for today's episode. And uh, they I'll say they really took to you. Sometimes they can be very shy and other times they open right up to people and uh, they just were all about you, man. I,
1: I think it helps that I look like a real life Muppet. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that's helpful for kids. They're not afraid of me in any way.
2: The Jason Segel as a Muppet kind of muppet or like a, maybe, yeah, or maybe. more like a muppet muppet.
1: Yeah, I feel like. like I feel more like a muppet muppet. I feel like I look like I belong on on um you know, on the muppet show or something. You're like um Scooter. I'll take that. He's got the glasses and the little orange mop. Yeah. But he was he's a little bit on edge. He's a little <laughs> bit on edge. You
2: could tell that there were some, there was some anxiety. Yeah, a little bit. Like
1: he means really well and he just kind of wants everything to work out, right?
2: Correct. One of the things that uh, that I wanted to talk about that my older six-year-old daughter and I did recently was we went to a a sweetheart dance, a, a daddy-daughter type dance. Now, did she ask you? Um, n- no, so this is actually something that we did last year for the first time, and, and it was really nice. It's something that, you know, before kids, I probably would have rolled my eyes out a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's really tacky. But of course, like, n- you know, now that I have two daughters, I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And of course I'm going to do that. And when my three-year-old is old enough to do it, Next year, I'll bring them both. Last year, our first year doing this, we danced a lot together. It was very sweet. She loved being there. I got her little corsage. She felt so special. It was really very heartwarming. This year, now that she's in kindergarten, we show up, and there's a few of her friends there with their dads. And so we danced a little bit together, and then she really enjoyed just running around with her girlfriends. So there I was hanging on the sidelines chatting what? with the dads. It, it's fine. It was still a very nice event. Um, it was still very sweet, you know, to get dressed up and to, you know, make her feel so special. But a little twinge of disappointment yeah. that, um, that I was kind of just hanging on the side watching her have all yeah. the fun. Did you think at all that might happen? I knew that she was going to have a few friends there this year. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it crossed my mind. Ah, dude. It's okay. It's all right. You know what? Honestly, it's representative of like the future. You know, she's going to want less and less to do with like hanging out with dad. And that's that's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. But also like be a kid for a little longer. Right.
2: Yeah. But uh, I'm not going to make her feel guilty about (laughs) it either. You know,
1: did you do the corsage this year? I did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The corsage that cost more than the ticket to the event. Yeah. Did that. Nice. Was
1: she stoked about it? She loved it. Yeah. But see, and she's got memories, right? She's got she got memories of that, yeah. that dance. How much fun she had with her girlfriends? Yeah, that she left you in the lurch
2: and just yeah. was like It's almost like dad wasn't there. Get out of here. Exactly. Thanks for the ride. Part of the original mission of modern dadhood was to have conversations with a diverse collection of dads who all have different experiences. And you know, for you and I, Mark, to to learn about fatherhood experiences that are maybe different from our own. I find that for myself, I don't know if it's the same with you, it's very easy for me when I'm out in the world, you know, with my kids or or otherwise, to avoid interacting with someone whose situation I don't fully understand. For for any reason, it can be really intimidating to think about starting a conversation with somebody because I don't want to I don't want to say the wrong thing, I don't want to ask the wrong question that Offends them. I don't want somebody to put me in my place, you know, for saying something stupid when really I, there was no no harm intended. It, you know, it's an it was an an innocent
1: question. It's hard to come up upon someone. Maybe there's some kind of connection there, right? Because you each have children, but maybe they're they're just very different than you.
2: Exactly. And so a lot of times we just pivot from the conversation because it's easier to not. It's easier to not. I think that the really. Unfortunate side effect of that, of avoiding those situations or avoiding people because you're intimidated to bring something up or to get past whatever you don't understand, is that you could miss out on a friendship with someone who you may have so much in common with just because there's this one small thing that you may not have in common.
1: Exactly. You could, you could miss an opportunity to learn something new from a perspective that's wildly different than your own. And you could stand to learn so much in a moment like that. Right. I mean, like we only know what we know through our own experiences. Uh, and there's so much more knowledge to gain from people who have different experiences than you. Right. Right. So dads, Mark and I recently had
2: the opportunity to sit down with Stephen Stratton, who is a father of one son who's nearing six years old, to talk about some of the ways that our fatherhood experiences are similar and some of the ways that they're different. Stephen Stratton, when we first launched Modern Dadhood, I shared the podcast with a Facebook group, uh, one of the groups that I really like, and you responded with this note which I'm going to read, Okay, hit me up if you ever want to do a show on queer slash trans fatherhood slash families. Why did you respond to that post in that way?
0: I mean, I think there's not a ton of stories out there still. And I just, you know, I am a person who's happy to share my story. So it helps to, you know, educate and and share. And I think we have a pretty great family. So <laughs> I like talking about it.
2: My first reaction was, Yes, that sounds awesome. That's exactly the kind of meaningful conversation that I want to have on this podcast. That's that's what this whole thing is all about, is just hearing about different perspectives from different dads. My immediate follow-up was like, those words, queer, trans, but those are words that I would never use when speaking to someone who is transgendered or about someone who's transgendered. So that's terrifying. How am I going to navigate mm-hmm. a conversation like this without offending somebody. And then it transitioned to this is a really exciting opportunity because we're now we're in a space having a conversation where I would encourage you, as Mark and I are asking you questions, to correct us or to let us know that what we're asking is not appropriate or that different language might be better. Yeah, happy to do that. Talk to us about growing up up to the point where you first realized
0: that you were not the sex that was physically assigned to you. Okay, so I grew up in Connecticut and um, was born in eighty one. So, grew up in the eighties. Me too. 80s. Yeah. Um, and I actually grew up in like a pretty small town in Connecticut, and we had woods to play in. Um, you know, what would be called free range parenting today was how we grew up. Sounds idyllic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't recall having a ton of, uh, gender dysphoria growing up. I think, you know, I started thinking about it as early as four or five, you know, I was calling myself, um, like Brian, which <laughs> is not the most creative name. <laughs> no offense to any Brian's out there. I mean, but... <laughs> I have a brother named Brian, but yeah. we don't care about him. Though, um, I'm sorry, Brian. I don't mean yeah. that. <laughs> when I, um, maybe got a little bit older, I started noticing that like, I would ask in public to use the bathroom and I would be like led in the direction of the men's room, which was secretly like really exciting for me, but I didn't want to tell people about it. And, um, you know, talking about how like things change over 30 something years, I was 19 before I met a trans person and I didn't even really know, um, you know, queer, gay identified folks growing up, um. Probably when I hit puberty was really when things started to shift for me. I remember being online and coming across a blog um, of a young man who was transitioning from female to, to male. He was 19 years old and he was going to school in Boston. He was going to school to be a teacher. And it was like a light bulb went off for me. And I was like, oh, this is an option. Mm-hmm. Like it had never occurred to me that this was like a life that one could mm-hmm. live. Yeah. Um, and that's really when I started to come out and started to transition. Sometime in your mid thirties, you had an epiphany of sorts about your future. Yeah. I mean, I've known I wanted to have kids since I was four or five. Um, I always planned on having kids um, as I grew up and I was, you know, an adult and thought about it in in a more serious way. Especially after I transitioned, I sort of assumed that my path to fatherhood would be through adoption um, or foster care. And then as I got closer to 30 and I didn't have a long-term partner, um, I thought more about, okay, well, maybe like, I'm not going to wait around forever. I want to have kids. I know I want to have kids. Maybe the night before I turned 30, um, I decided that by the time I was 32, I was going to be on my path to having figured out fatherhood. I, I wasn't necessarily going to have a kid by 32, but I was going to ha- like have figured out um, how I was going to do it and be actively pursuing it. There would be a plan in place. Yes. And then I met my partner, Josh, um, a couple of weeks after I turned 30. Pretty early on in the relationship, I told him that I wanted to have a baby. He's a little bit younger than me. He was not super interested in having a baby <laughs> at that point. Um, he had certainly not thought about it the way I, ha- I had. But, you know, a couple of years into our relationship, I said, you know, know, like, I I really I really want to start thinking about this more seriously, even if we're not ready right now. Like I need to be starting to plan for it. So I stopped taking um, testosterone, um, which I had been taking for nine years, um, six months off of testosterone um, I went in and saw my doctor and he did a lot of blood work and he said, you know, there's no reason why I don't think that you should have a healthy pregnancy. So if you guys are ready, like go for it whenever you want. Um, how, how did you
2: feel when you got that news?
0: Uh, terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hadn't we hadn't told many people yet. And at that point, he and I still were not completely in agreement about what the timeline was going to be. And the longer I was off testosterone, the more I was like, OK, I'm, I'm ready to just do this. Yeah. So I, I was off it for about nine months and we weren't actively trying to have a baby, but we also were very aware that it could happen. Um, and then, um, two weeks after my 32nd birthday, I got pregnant. So (laughs) it was not expected. It was a surprise to both of us, but it was the, probably the scariest and most exciting thing that we've ever done. That's amazing. That's amazing. How was pregnancy? Uh, it had its ups and downs. Um, I was, I was healthy throughout my pregnancy. I didn't have a lot of, you know, like morning sickness or anything like that. I also, um, and we, again, we didn't plan it this way, but the way it happened was I was my most pregnant in the winter. And so being a maner, like having a beard and wearing some flannels and like having what looked like kind of a beer gut, like I was able to like n- just live my life and be pregnant. And, and most people didn't, didn't know, didn't, think to you know didn't think anything about it probably would have worked out differently if it was maybe the summer but um but yeah it just worked out that way tell us about rowan uh so rowan is five going on six um he talks nonstop from the minute he wakes up to the minute he goes to bed he really loves uh space and wants to be an astronaut when he grows up um he's very creative um I think he's a lot like both my partner and I, which has been really a fun part of this process to see, is that like not only did he inherit um like our physical characteristics, but like sometimes I watch him and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're so much like your father. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> the performing around the house and the <laughs> I'm like, and, and even like his facial expressions, I'm like, oh, you look just like your dad. <laughs> yeah, there's
1: there's so many times where I look at one of our kids and I'm like, oh man, they're so much like me. I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I read in a blog
2: entry that you shared with me, you wrote about talking to your baby, still in utero, referring to your unborn child as them versus mm-hmm. assigning a pronoun. Was it a conscious decision to use the pronoun them?
0: Yeah, so... We had, the, we had to make a decision about whether, we, you know, like everyone, whether we want to find out the sex of the baby or not. We ultimately decided we were going to find out the sex because we sort of wanted to take the power away. We didn't want our baby to be born and the first thing that, you know, here like, is, oh, it's a boy, it's a girl. I was like, eh, I don't want that to be the first word they hear. But we also decided, like, if we were to share that news, like— what the baby's sex was going to be. It was going to start to become a big deal to everyone around us, and it was going to start to mean this bigger thing. And um, so we decided to find out the sex but not tell anyone. So we just referred to to Rowan as they, them. I know, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not telling you. It's none of your business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We did share the name. We, we picked um, Rowan's name before he was born, and we wanted to, to choose a name that we liked equally for either a boy or a girl. You are referring to Rowan as he... When we were talking about the
2: pregnancy and a reveal of the sex, Roan was assigned female. Yeah. So talk to me about that. And when he came to you and said, I, I feel the same way that essentially the same way that you felt yeah.
0: that I was born the-, the wrong sex. Yeah. Well, I guess I would say just... In in like an educational yeah yeah yeah. I don't I don't think I was born the wrong sex. Especially I mean some people do feel that way, and I think that's right. the pervasive story we hear um, about trans people is like born in the born in the wrong body narrative, having been assigned female at birth and having been born with certain body parts, it allowed me to make a baby with my partner, like which it was not something I ever thought was going to happen for me. It was like I just felt so grateful um, and just and really. I think accepting myself in a way that I had never been able to accept myself up until that point. Thank you for calling me on that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, but I mean, that's what we're told, right? That like yeah. trans people are like, you know, it's we're born in the wrong body. And I'm like, um, but to get back to Rowan. So I don't want to talk a, too much about his story because it's his story. Um, but yeah, he was assigned female at birth and probably... It was only this summer that he really started to explore his own gender and you know, he's 5 so we're not sure where this is going to lead. Um we've always told him he, you know, what's important to us, you love yourself, you're a good person and you feel loved. If to you loving yourself means that you're a boy and you want to celebrate that, then great. And like and if that changes, like that's okay too. And it was all very led by him, right? You know, I think about my own coming out experience and I was terrified. I was terrified to tell anyone, even my best friends. Where he's like running down the street being like, "Guess what? I got a new pronoun. I'm I'm using he now." <sighs> yeah. Um, and was met with like so much love and acceptance and um it's a different world than I grew up in.
1: Yeah, do you think a lot of that is because of where we are now just as like what, as a society or do you think some of it just has to do with the the, the household that he's growing up in is is one that's a lot more I don't know why I say forward thinking or like understanding or has the vocabulary or is familiar and comfortable with talking about it. Or maybe it's both of those
0: things. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think it's all, yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. I think it's yeah. all of those things. I think had I been told at five that it was an option that I could be a boy or right. I could try using he pronouns, like I would apparently, yes. Yeah. Yeah. When people find out their kids are trans or queer or they, you know, they search for why, is it? Um, or is it something I did or is it, and even I did, you know, like when Rowan first started, you know, telling me he felt, I was like, oh, it's good. People are going to think it's my fault. Um, even though I, I'm like, I know that's not how it works. Um, but I'm also like, there should be no shame about it. And that shame isn't coming from within. And I never wanted that shame to come from within. And I think when I got pregnant and when I had that experience, it really lifted a lot of that shame for me that I have been carrying around for a very long time. What I think is interesting is you mentioned this earlier. We grew up in the eighties when
2: when somebody was transgendered, it was like it was taboo. It was like you mm-hmm. didn't really talk about it, or they didn't talk about it, or they went on, you know, um, Maury Povich, yeah. and and it was there was a spectacle made of it. But I think that our kids, they're not even thinking about it. It's not a thing to them.
1: We're looking back at. How we maybe would have reacted, and um, and it's uh, so it's like we sort of think like, oh, I have to explain this, and maybe not.
0: Yeah, that's there's like there's not the unlearning process that like when adults that's go through it, is. they have to like, that's, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> everything that I just spent seven or eight
2: minutes like <laughs> saying in yeah. the word salad, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what it is. They don't have the unlearning process. You've done a lot of writing about how to talk to our kids about this stuff and how, you know, it doesn't need to be something that is taboo. I shouldn't have to feel like I need to soften or sugarcoat that your friend who was he is now a she because it's just the tiniest shift in mindset. And right from the first time that
0: she spends time with that friend who is now a her, she's a her. Kids, especially when they relate to each other, they're not thinking, you know, they're not they don't carry all this baggage of all these like, oh, well, I have to relate to this person in in this certain way. It's just like, okay, she's she now, you know, like in your kid's case, like uh, you want to go play on the swings, you know, like they they're still going to they're still the same people. And I think kids inherently know that it's not, you know, our kids are growing up in this much, much different generation. I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, things, you know, looked and felt a lot different. And I think by the time our kids are grown up, it's going to be a whole, a whole nother world.
1: (laughs) I mean, kids in general, I guess, have a much different view of the world that's not so clouded by all of the stuff that gets into your mind as you get older.
0: And there's also like, you know, and especially as like, watching my own child go through this right now. And like I said, like I don't I don't know what his trajectory is. I came out like a hundred times. So I didn't I didn't want uh gender to become this this anxiety for him. So we started talking about as like gender only matters as much as it matters to you. And it's only one part of you, right? So um You know, you you're a boy and that's great. You're also an artist. You're also you want to be an astronaut. You also want to be a parent. You also are a great friend. You're also really funny and you like to perform and you like to sing and you like to go running and ride your bike and swim. There's all these things that make you who you are. It's, It's just one one piece of who we are.
2: Are there other words or phrases or questions that you're asked a lot that you're just like, like yeah, (laughs) that's don't ask me that. That's that's a terrible question or um, anything that our listeners might benefit from hearing. And Mark and I in this room might benefit from hearing.
0: Yeah. Um, so I would say just to tweak your wording a little bit, like instead of saying transgendered, you should say transgender. Hmm. It's something about like it, it being like a part of who you are and not who you are. Like That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, and some people will get very offended if you use transgendered versus transgender. Didn't even know um, that I said it. Yeah. And it's like just like a little tweak of language. You know, with Rowan, something that we say is like, you know, first of all, it like someone's gender, you don't actually have to know someone's gender in order to like interact with them. but. It seems to be something that people care very much about, and kids get to a certain age and they start asking the are you a boy or a girl question mm-hmm. if they're not sure. So, what we try to tell him is if you're not sure what someone's gender is, you could just say, like, hey, what, pro- like, I use he, him pronouns. What pronouns do you use? Um, and I think that's just a, a little bit of a gentler way of saying, like, are you a boy or a girl? Because that actually doesn't matter. And maybe, maybe they're both, maybe they're neither. <laughs> Any other common things that people say that you are like, Don't ask people what their given name was. I think when people ask that, they're trying to place you. Like, oh, I'm trying to picture you as a little girl you grew up as, or like I'm trying to imagine that you used to be a girl. Um, But it just so glad I didn't ask you that. (laughs) It seems to be a a question that like feels like kind of a personal thing. So I I wouldn't ask that question. The other thing I'll say is, like, I'm, I'm one person. I'm coming from my own perspective. Like, I cannot speak for all trans people in the world. And I have my own unique way of seeing um, my identity and my experience. Um, I don't reject my childhood. I don't reject that I grew up as a girl. I think it gives me a pretty unique perspective as a man. But not everyone feels that way, and not everyone wants to be reminded of their childhood or of who they used to be. For me, I just feel like that person, you know, integrated, you know, who I was is who I am now. Um, some, some folks don't like having to be educators of their identity. Um, you know, we live in a time where we have so much information. Um, so if you have questions like get online, Google it, I reached out to you guys because I do like educating folks about queer and trans identities and queer and trans families. Um, I'm happy to do it. Not everyone feels that way. Some people just want to be left alone and want to live their lives. Here's my last question. For
2: somebody who is transgender, there are certain hardships that you go through. You deal with some bullshit. Does any part of you feel like you need to protect Rowan from pain and those hardships that he will inevitably
0: face just by the nature of the family that he's, brought, that he's part of? I mean, I think we all want to protect our kids. Um, And I think, you know, I I think we know there's like, you know, some layers to what Rowan's going to face and sending him to school this year was scary. Um, I've been the primary caregiver um, since he was born. So and, you know, part of that was like, oh, I was like, oh, I don't want to let my baby go. I want to have, you know, like, you know, I I was going to be sending him out into a world that I wasn't sure was always going to be kind to him. And so when, you know, he started to encounter some questions about, well, you know, where's your mom? Why don't you have a mom? How can you be a... Fa- you know, and it wasn't... You know, and these are questions coming from children his own age, and so they're not malicious. They're, they're not... Harmless. Yeah, they're just like the first time he got that question, he was like, well, Papa, I told them, you know. A some- <laughs> little too much personal yeah. information. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and, you know, and, and he has, and I've given him permission to, I said, you know, I don't want you going around necessarily telling everyone our business, but should the question come up and and you feel like, it's information that you need to share to tell our family story, then it's okay to talk about Papa being trans. And so, you know, someone had asked him, well, I just don't understand. Like, you know, how can you be a, how did you come to be if you don't have a mom? And he said, well, you know, some babies are born and they're assigned, you know, female, and then they grow up and it turns out they're actually a boy. And that's my Papa. And he actually is a boy, but you know, he was assigned female and, So he got to have me. So my papa had me. And I said, Yeah, and what did your friend say? And he said, Well, my friend said okay. And then we went and played. And that was like the beginning and end of the conversation. And it never, you know, it never came up again. So I think in some ways, you know, we try to prepare him for the world that he's going into. But I think, you know, the path that we've sort of taken is to just sort of buffer him with this. First of all, we have like a really rich community where he has a lot of adults around him who identify in a lot of different ways. Um, And he sees that there's a lot of different ways to be in the world. Um, And he just sees that like being part of a queer and trans community is like a beautiful experience. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to face as he grows up or who he's going to be. But I want him to know that he can always talk to us, that he can, you know, always feel safe at home. And that he always has adults around him who he can see himself reflected in. And hopefully by the time that he's a grown-up, no one's going to care what your gender is. Well, thank you for creating a, a safe space where we can ask questions and look like idiots. And, and <laughs> You guys were fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to speak at uh, high schools and middle school, so this is very tame com- in comparison. So our so. questions
1: were better than middle school kids' <laughs> yes. questions? Okay. That's Ooh, all I was yeah. hoping for. Thank Thank God. Stephen, thank you uh, so much for taking time to sit down and, and chat with us and
0: uh, help us learn a little bit. And um, it was a pleasure to meet you and 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 hear about you and your your family. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having the conversation. Thanks for asking the questions. I know, you know, we we can't learn if we don't have the conversations. So I'm glad that we could be here tonight to do this. <laughs>
1: Tell me what's a thing now, Mark. I, ha- I have a thing now. Um, actually, before I, before I get too far in the story, I need a little sip of coffee from, uh, from this product.
2: I see you carrying that product a lot.
1: You this were- product? I'm glad you brought it up, Adam, because <laughs> this product, which I'm holding as if I'm on the prices right, mm-hmm. is called Hopsilator. That's by a, a wonderful company called Brewmate. All joking aside, though, This product right here is uh, uh, something that I I love. I hold near and dear. It's a coffee mug during the day, and it becomes a, I think, a a double-walled insulating device for beer. You hot-swap the top, and sometimes it holds hops. Look what you did. It doesn't even it. Do it again. No.
2: no, Okay. (laughs) I've got nothing beyond
1: that. Yeah, man. This is a beer koozie and a coffee cup. I carry it every damn day. I have it with me so often that my kids look at it and they, when they see it on the shelf at home or they see it on the counter at home, they point at it and they say, Daddy, coffee.
2: Dads, so to be transparent, we've talked about this product, Obsolator, by Brewmate off air because Mark does carry it around with him a lot. And so we actually reached out to Brewmate to see if they would be interested in doing any cross promotion. And they said, hell yeah. Yeah, we
1: share a similar audience.
2: So stay tuned t- to our social media um, Modern Dadhood Facebook page specifically, and we're gonna we're gonna get some contests going and give away some of this awesome product. However, if you want to look at Brewmate b r u m a t e dot com, if you order anything on there, they gave us a discount code <gasps> for Modern did? Dadhood listeners. Yep. that's awesome. They did. The discount code is actually good for fifteen percent off of your first order with Brewmate. Put it all in caps. You ready, Dadhood? dadhood. it's that easy anyway what's the thing now oh man long that was
1: that was really long winded um a little situation i'd like to I'd like to uh like to talk about hit me Maybe you can help me understand the hell I'm supposed to do as a dad okay. so here's here <laughs> here's the thing now I have two kids. They're twins and they've they've gotten to the point now where they kind of, they kind of fight with each other there. I think they're just getting a little bit older now and they kind of get in each other's space. And I think they're understanding that they each have buttons that they can press. Um, and I don't know, is that a sibling thing? Do your kids fight? You have, they're different ages. Do they fight? They, they do yeah. your boys
2: have just turned 2 and they're starting my girls yeah. are
1: 6 and 3
2: and it's just starting now
1: oh wow really it's so we're starting. way ahead of the curve yeah, That's my good girls to know.
2: love each other but my but they are just starting to like learn each other's buttons that yeah. they can press to get the okay. other one to your but they also are so sweet and they snuggle up and they're best friends too i wish i could say
1: that about my kids no <laughs> they're they're sweet to each other sometimes um but they're start yeah they just i don't know they're just getting at each other a little bit and i, I, I don't know if it's a brothers thing if it's a same age thing if it's a twin thing i don't really know this is all new territory for me right um but uh there's a particular sequence of events that happens and it happens very it usually happens very fast and it happens several times a day and this is almost a guarantee that this is going to happen a couple times every day and the sequence of events kind of goes like this the first kid will intentionally get into the second kid's space mm-hmm. physically And that might just mean like, I'm going to back into you. That might just mean uh, I'm on my little indoor tricycle and I'm just going to ram slow, just slowly ram into you and push you a little bit. Didn't you say that they were Siamese twins? I thought they were
2: always in each other's space.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're attached at, they're actually, it's funny, they're attached at the body. (laughs) Like paper dolls. The whole body. (laughs) sides, And it's always the same kid that gets into the other kids. It's always... Kid one gets into kids two's space. Kids two will handle it for about a nanosecond before he does a very loud scream and a and a forceful shove. And then the first kid, now remember this happens very quickly. Now we're back to the first kid. The first kid does a high-pitched squeal. He's (laughs) it's it's in a very definitive manner, will will take both of his hands and put like sort of pound them on his chest, and he'll say, My body! which is something that they're kind of learning. I think like at daycare, they're yeah. learning about each other's bodies and space and giving each other room. So that's the fun, like sort of ironic, ironic thing.
2: We've got those kind of screams in my house. And when, <sighs> when it happens once you're like, okay, but yeah. like
1: don't scream.
2: Uh, and then it happens again. And you're like, Oh my God, if I hear that noise one more time I'm and that's gonna lose it.
1: And that's the thing. Like, so that sequence happens and my wife and I have been trying really hard to, we've been changing our approach a little bit with, how interactive we are with them in moments like that right but these situations happen they're really quick they're all of a sudden it's the you hear the first scream and the shove you hear the second high pitched squeal and the my body and um and then and then it's got like a brawl at that point left to their own devices would they figure it out yeah would it just work itself out know, or would it just
2: happen again in another 30
1: seconds i don't know it's so it's so hard to figure out what to do and it's something that Jamie and I are really struggling with it at the moment.
2: Would it behoove you and Jamie to create um, a short list of things that we could do when this happens? One would be to sit them down and say, you need to respect each other's bodies and we don't yell and, or, you know, whatever it is, it could be even just one of those things.
1: That I think is where we're kind of going. A little bit then the personal space thing,
2: right? Then when you're conflicted with all of those emotions at the same time, Mm -hmm. you can just be like, Oh, we're going to try this one this time.
1: And it's, and it's funny with the the personal space thing is funny too, because I have to, or Jamie has to get into their personal space in order to separate them to have that conversation.
2: And you also want to lead by example. Like in my oh, situation, yeah. my girls, when I've heard that high pitched scream three or four times, my instinct is to, you know, each time for me to get louder and, to, you know, my re- instant yep. reaction is
1: stop screaming, to scream, stop screaming.
2: Right. But <laughs> yeah. I, but I try my hardest not to do it. my wife does the same thing. She yeah. tries her hardest
1: not to do that. But it is sort of a constant, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but there is something going on in my head and in my heart. A lot of the time, you know, when we're, when we're doing things like that. So that's the thing now, fighting in the check it house. Yeah. I think that
2: might be a thing for a long time. Probably. Probably for you know, probably until they're I mean it could be for the rest of their lives. You hope that the best friend thing and just the idea of family can sort of, you know, um override all of that. Yeah. Best
1: frenemies.
2: Another episode in the bank, Mark. Cha ching. <laughs> I wish. Imagine. (laughs) I realized as I was saying that, that yeah. Dads, you can find us at moderndadhood.com or anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you like to listen. It's very easy. I just want to remind you, it's very, very easy to click the ratings button. Um, It only takes the few taps of a fingertip to leave us a short review. and And what your review does is it lets other parents know that the Modern Dadhood is, is worth a listen. It's
1: worth their time. Do it right now before you forget. You know what else is really, really helpful, Adam? I do, but you tell them. Word of mouth. Get out there and just tell your friends. If you like the show, tell your friends about it. Tell your dad friends. Tell your mom friends. Let them know that we're here for them. A major thank you to Casper Babypants, to Spencer Alby. Now, I'd like to ask about something on these notes, Adam.
2: Yeah, I haven't told you about this yet. I see
1: names that are very impressive. There's a doctor on here I'm familiar with.
2: Um, Yes, Dr. Phil is now um, a mentor. (laughs) So the music for our show has always been something that's really important to me. And recently I reconnected with somebody who I've met a handful of times over the years, Bubby Lewis. He's an amazing bass player. He's toured with uh, the doctor who you've mentioned.
1: Dr. Dre? Yeah. Yeah, he's played with Dr. Dre, with Snoop Dogg,
2: with Lupe Fiasco. That is so cool. Thank you to Bubby Lewis for the great bass uh, stings, the Modern Dadhood stings.
1: I'd also like to give a quick shout out to none other than Nick Rose, our intern here at Modern Dadhood.
2: He's very dedicated. Thank you, Nick, for everything that you do for us. Love you. Dads and moms, most importantly, thank you. Without listeners, we probably still would be doing this, right? Probably. We just wouldn't have
1: to plug anything in.